it's definitely made me more um, open to understanding that people have different experiences, people live different lives, they walk different paths. And, you know, you don't owe it to anybody to be this certain person or have this certain belief or even be the same person that you were yesterday. Um, You can change, you can adapt. And I think that's what I took from that experience was like, I left that experience a completely different person. And that's okay. I didn't owe it to anybody to be the same person that I was before. Good morning, y'all. Welcome back. And to those just tuning in, thanks for joining us. I'm Krista. And I'm Veronica. And you're listening to another episode of Nourish Your Drive, Experiences Beyond the Destination. I don't know about you, Ronnie, but I'm really stoked about this episode because it's our first official recording with a guest. Woohoo. <laughs> and we're featuring my sorority sister, um, LaCara Rochester from Delta Phi Mu Sorority Incorporated, DeFi. Um, <laughs> and I just, I'm really excited about this. I actually love that we're getting to feature LaCara and I cannot wait for you all to hear her tremendous stories about travel. LaCara and I have known each other going on 15 years. I was just actually thinking about April being a big month because it's a big month for both of us. It's when we joined our sorority. Um, but it, it's been a long time and it's amazing over a period of time what she's been able to accomplish professionally and personally while balancing so many different responsibilities, um, including raising her amazing daughter, Layla, um, solo while traveling for her role in clinical research. And I think it's really inspiring what she's also managed to do for herself. So I'm really excited about this episode um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to interviewing her. Same. So, LaCara. Krista. So excited to have you on this episode. Last we were together was in the fall um, with our friends out here in London, a little Purdue reunion. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was really, really fun, especially since you've been telling our friends for quite some time that you were going to come out and you finally made it mm-hmm. out. So that was good. Yeah, it was good times. Um, I love that you came out to visit solo. Um, it wasn't completely solo, right? Because you did come out and stay with all of us, but we toured you around Um For our listeners that don't know you, um, why don't we do a bit of an intro? So where do you call home and where are you based today? I'm calling in from Lafayette, Indiana. Um, Home, well, West Lafayette is home of Purdue University where me and Krista went to school together. Um, I was born and raised here and my entire family is still here. And so you're a lead clinical research associate. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what does it mean for you day to day? Sure. So um, if we're talking in the context of clinical trials and um, I guess drug approval, I am what is referred to as a monitor. So I, um, what, what we call monitor clinical trials, monitor the data, the documentation, ensuring that everything is um, following FDA regulations, uh, what we refer to as good clinical practice in the field. And then um, ensuring that the sites have the support that they need to get good data so that we can get drugs approved and on the market. That's amazing. Talk about essential worker. (laughs) (laughs) 
no doubt, especially about this time, <laughs> yeah. right? We're all inside because of COVID and here you are talking about some amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for continuing to be on the front line. So um, you balance traveling for that full-time role while also raising your daughter, Layla, right? Yes, correct. Um, I always tell people travel is in and of itself a full-time job. And then I have my actual job in clinical research um, and then plus balancing being a full-time mom. Has it been interesting for you in this period? And I know I'm going a little bit off what we were going to talk about mm-hmm. here, but considering the time of year that it is and, and what we're going through globally, mm-hmm. has it been interesting to be in, in clinical research and has it hit you differently than maybe someone like me who works in sales and works from home day to day? Yeah. So we have essentially suspended all business travel um, through the end of the month. As of now, they probably anticipate that it's probably going to go longer than that. But um, most of the institutions that we work with are big research hospitals, um, particularly in the in the therapeutic area that I'm in. Um, so I work in, in GI, pediatric GI studies, and then um, a dermatology that's kind of area. So these are big research hospitals. Um, they have for the most part, completely shut down any research that is not COVID-19 related. So um, they're only focusing all their resources on COVID-19 research at the time. So if you're not on a study that's COVID-19 related, or even if you are, they aren't viewing monitors, basically what I do as essential at the moment. So we're trying to figure out ways to um, come up with some creative methods (laughs) to monitor remotely. Typically, I would go on site, I would look at the raw data um, on site, you know, in person, but now trying to figure out how to do that remotely without compromising patient um, confidentiality has been very challenging. You know, the world is, is, is challenging us all in different ways. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how we come out on the other side, what the new normal is going to look like, particularly for those, like, I think all of us have worked from home to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. but you guys go out into the field a little bit more than I do um, because I'm based in London and I go out into London on the, on the regular, but you know, travel is an essential part of your job right now. So your world is a little bit topsy turvy at the moment. Absolutely. Like not traveling has been, I've done this job for since 2009 So not traveling has been very, very upsetting for me. (laughs) It's just, I'm used to being on the road. I'm used to being on the go. And so being kind of grounded like this has been different to say the least. When we asked you a couple questions prior to the session, you came back to us and you said, you know, people ask all the time how exciting it is to travel and all Mm -hmm. You know, people like, oh, it's amazing. I love it. And and I remember people used to say that when I was a business consultant. They're like, oh, you're on the road all the time. I love your life. But, you know, travel can be hard when it's your work. Um, And it can be exhausting. Like you have moments where you're like, I just want to be in my own house and cook my own meal. Um, You said travel in in and of itself is a job. Can you say a little bit more about that and what you meant? Yeah. So travel is time consuming, um, obviously, especially when... I always say I I fly out of Indianapolis airport, which is like a smaller regional airport. So it's very rare that I get a direct flight anywhere. Um, I typically have to connect somewhere. So we're talking sometimes seven, eight hour days of travel alone. 
Um, and then you have your expense reporting, you have all of these other things that go into travel. Um, and then you have a job to do when you get where you're going. So a lot of times I'm on a plane writing a report or I'm getting home at midnight and I have to get a letter out to my site. So it's just like the travel, just being gone all the time is exhausting. And then you have a job to do once you get wherever you're going. So I, um, I always tell the story early on in my career. I had a trip um, coming back from what's Tri-Cities in, um, in Tennessee. Um, so I, my flight kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. I left the site at three o'clock that day. I didn't get home until four o'clock the next morning. Um, and then I, and home for me, Indianapolis is an hour away from me. So I land at four in the morning. I get on the highway. I'm driving back to Lafayette and traffic is stopped. Um, there was an accident on the highway. Traffic is stopped until two and for two hours so it was like six in the morning before I got home so if you can imagine working an entire day from seven to three (laughs) and then getting on a plane or getting to the airport and not getting home until you know six o'clock the next morning Mm -hmm. it's just it's a lot you're like leave me alone don't talk to me don't look at me (laughs) don't breathe on me (laughs) and then if you have something to do the next day you still have to get up and you still have to do that thing so it's yeah it's it's crazy it can be it can be a lot. And so you're not only managing that job that is time consuming, that has you on the road a lot. You're also a mother. And so that is something that resonates with me. So I want to switch our direction a little bit to talk about that. Um, I'm also a mother of a daughter, a three-nager to be exact. Um, <laughs> but you seem, <laughs> she's something else. Uh, I'm sure that you, you've you gone through that uh, stage uh, yeah. a few times as they age um but you seem very interested in setting the bar really high for Layla and you take your job as a role model and a mother pretty seriously um so was travel also an important part of when you were growing up yes um it was I went to Disney World when I was about four years old um that was probably my very first travel memory I went with my parents um my parents separated when I was 11 for about a year. And I think in order to cope with that um, and kind of deal with her own emotions and things that she was going through, my mother shipped me to different family, member, different family members around the country. And um, so I flew around a lot at 11 by myself. Um, I would get on, a, she would put me on a plane. She would put like a name on my chest of <laughs> the person who was to be picking me up from the airport. And that was like, basically um, how my, how my life was at the time. So I fell in love with travel and exploration um, pretty much at that point in my life. It, some people would look at that and be like, Oh my God, like your mother just shipped you around the country by yourself. That's horrible. But it gave me a sense of independence. It gave me a sense of adventure Um that I didn't really previously have before, I guess. Absolutely. That is powerful. And one of the things that I always talk about as a mother is that we have to give our children experiences over things. And the fact that you were able to start traveling so young is remarkable. Um, I remember when my family, my husband, um, my daughter and I, we went abroad when she was two and Mm -hmm. people were like, 
oh my goodness, you're going abroad with her and she's only two? And I'm like, absolutely. And I would love to go abroad with her every single year if I can, because I want her to be experienced with more than what's around her day to day. Um, So it seems like travel has definitely become a vital part of your life from a childhood to being a mom and experiencing that with Layla and even your job. So when we prep for this session, and Crystal was talking about your work in Japan, I was super excited. And so we really wanted to have an opportunity to discuss with you um, your experience there, particularly because of the stark contrast and difference between Tokyo and Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about the trip. Um, who did you go with initially and where did you stay? So um, I should preface that I did study Japanese language and literature in college. I also studied, oh, awesome. um, yeah, I also studied the language in high school. So I had eight years of um, kind of Japanese language prior to going to Japan. Okay. That was really, uh, when I was at the company that I was at, I was in a very entry level position, um, but I had that language skill. So they were like, we're sending you <laughs> with <laughs> a group of eight colleagues. Um, and we just really need you to be there as kind of like a buffer between our colleagues in Japan and our, you know, U.S. based colleagues, because there are so many nuances to their culture and business expectations that a lot of the people in the U.S. Um, didn't have knowledge of that I had. Mm-hmm. So um, we stayed in uh, a Hilton in the Shinjuku uh, prefecture area in mm-hmm. Tokyo. Like, yeah. Over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like a financial district. It's very like tall buildings and, um, but it was cool. It was, it was neat. Awesome. Um, you said that you studied the Japanese language and culture in college. Can you share with our listeners what sparked that for you? Sure. Um, when I was in middle school, we had a class that basically um, introduced us to about eight different foreign languages. Um, so it was like Chinese, French, Russian, German, Japanese, um, Italian. I forget what the other ones were, but I my teacher was like, your um, pronunciation of Japanese words is just it, it sounds so natural. It sounds so um, great. He was like, you should really like pursue this. Um, so as I did it more, I fell in love with the culture, um, with kind of the differences between um, Western culture and their culture. Um, so I just became super interested in it and just stuck with it for the remainder of my education. You went your first time with your colleagues and I'm not going to judge the fact that like you stayed in Hilton and not a Marriott because I'm a Marriott person. I am now a Marriott person. Let's just say. (laughs) Oh gosh. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to skip over that part. There's just a distinct feel like when you walk into a Marriott where you're like, I am in my Marriott hotel. I strongly disagree (laughs) with that. Well, it's okay. I'm not going to judge you on that. You know, everybody has their thing. You know, for our listeners, um, the, and I'm going to have a hard time saying this one. So, you know, for all this listening, please don't judge me. But for this in Juku district, mm-hmm. um, I understand it's a major hub in the city. Like it's home to a lot of businesses and commerce. And it's also got the busiest rail station in the world. Um, what was it like being in Tokyo for the first time? And especially going like and, and representing the company and trying to be this cultural buffer 
it yeah. sounds like. It was surreal the first time. Like, I woke up every day. I had wanted to go to Japan, obviously, for a very long time. Never had the money to do it. Um, so I woke up every day like it was a dream. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, is this real? <laughs> Am I really in Tokyo? Um, and then I got homesick um, after the first couple of days. I was there for about two and a half weeks um, the first time. So... After the first few days, I got very homesick. I had never been that far away from home. I had never been on a different um, time zone like that. It's like the opposite time zone. Um, so I would, there was a Denny's kind of across the street from the hotel. I would get up every morning and go there and eat like pancakes or scrambled eggs or whatever they had that was kind of American. <laughs> and that was another thing <laughs> that I didn't realize the first time. I thought I was going to walk into that Denny's and it was going to be like, and American Denny's. No child. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, so you have green tea milkshakes on your, this is weird. Like, yeah. I just don't, but um, yeah, so it was surreal. It was awesome. It was scary um, because my, like growing up in Indiana, like my mother, as much as we traveled around the U.S., she always discouraged us from going out and exploring the world. I think it was just like her own fear. So a little bit of that fear kind of remained with me um, as I went on this first trip. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I was excited, but at the same time I was terrified. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's understandable because I think that was very similar for me. You know, my, my mom's from Nicaragua, but my dad born and raised Cincinnati, Ohio. And he's like, you're not studying abroad. What? Like, not happening yeah so they they project those fears onto you right and mm-hmm. then it's like as much as you try not to internalize them I think a little bit I mean we always do um because we want to listen to our parents and we want to make them proud and you know all of those things but mm-hmm. it was definitely scary and extremely exhilarating at the same time <laughs> well it does become like a little voice in your head you're like should I do this am I am I supposed to be here should I be enjoying this is this the right thing yeah. to do um but you've gone back multiple mm-hmm. times and continue to do work there. You know, what do you think was the most impactful experience for you that you had while being there? I always say that Japan changed me. Um, I think it became clear to me when I was in Japan. I went on, it was like a day trip to Kyoto, which is, um, it's one of the most historical cities in Japan when they, started bombing them during the war they avoided Kyoto because of the religious structures and the historical um, context of the city so a lot of the original religious structures are still in Kyoto and standing Um, so we took a day trip there me and my colleague and um, my colleague in Japan and watching her kind of move through the city um, praying in different temples we watched a wedding ceremony we watched a funeral it's very clear to me that a lot of what we believe to be true rests on kind of where we were born regionally. Right. So um, I started to question a lot of my own truths and a lot of what I believe Mm. um, in that moment. It was like, I grew up in a Christian school. I went to church every Sunday. Um, And I was taught, you know, as she was like bowing and praying to these 
statues, I was like, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh my God, she's going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) But this is an amazing person, a great person, a loving person, a caring, kind person. So that cannot be true. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was like, I had this internal conflict and I think leaving there, I just started to question everything. Like, like I said, my own truths, my own beliefs. And I started to um, associate that with, you know, I was born in this part of the world in this part of the United States. And that's why I believe the things that I do. Does that necessarily make it right? Does that necessarily make her wrong? Um, No, it can't. It can't. That can't be right. So I always say Japan changed me in that way. Um, I started becoming more curious and um, accepting and understanding that, you know, there, there maybe is no absolute truth, that there are multiple truths across this, the face of the earth. And I have to be able to accept and understand that. I feel like that's something that you always talk around, Ronnie, about owning your own truth and accepting your own truth. Because I think, you know, we grow up thinking that the world is so black and white, and it really is not. And it is so gray, but we get so uncomfortable with the gray. We got to live in the gray. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Life provides us that opportunity to do that. And that's one of the things that um, I fell in love with travel because of that different worldview. And excuse me, one of the things that I was able to experience similarly, LaCara, was that um, my first trip abroad was to um, Israel and, you know, having that background in Christianity. But our pastor took us to, um, you know, Jewish pray, praying sites, right? Like we were at the Wailing Wall and seeing people worship differently. And I left that place saying, oh my goodness, God is so much bigger than this structure, yes. right? Yes. That we try to place upon people of what's right and what's wrong. And that's not what um, our lives are designed to do, right? And I think right. that travel definitely provides us with that vehicle to see the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I encourage it because we can get real comfortable in our own zones, right? Like we can get real like stoic and this is the only way. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian household as well. And, but I would say that I am more spiritual than anything. I welcome people from different Mm -hmm. walks of faith and life. And there is no right or wrong, but if we can experience and have the same type of outlook on that, there's something bigger than us in the world. And we may pray different, we may worship differently, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person if I may not subscribe to the same practices that you do. So, that's powerful. That is so powerful. And, and I'm glad that you shared that perspective um, because some people are not comfortable uh, dismantling some of the thoughts that we've held on to, right? Or that we grew up with. So, mm-hmm. yep. Um, well, it shakes, it shakes your foundation to a certain extent when you challenge those concepts because then it makes you think about everything else yes. that you think is yep. right or is Absolutely. the truth. So, if you challenge mm-hmm. one construct, from your life and where you grew up and then you're just shaking your whole entire foundation and you're like, yeah. am I level? Yeah. To begin and sometimes with? we need that, right? Like we need to be, we need that disruption. Like disruption is not always a bad thing and it helps us to, you know, let's just say that we met someone for the first time. Right. And if we had this mindset of what we believe is true, we may miss out on an opportunity to meet someone who can change our lives forever because we think that they're doing quote unquote wrong. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Something Mm. wrong. But um, 
Yeah, that's powerful. That's definitely powerful. And I think it's just... But Kara, do you think that you would have experienced this the way you have if you had not gone to Tokyo, if you had gone somewhere else, or if you were still in the States flying around like you are for work? No, I don't think think I would have um, had that kind of like enlightenment um, that I had when I was there because it was just, like I said, it was very different from um, what I've experienced and what I've seen growing up. And I think that just having that particular experience was what made me see, like, I have to be flexible. I have to um, understand that my beliefs aren't necessarily tied to my identity, who I am as a person. Um, Mm. And the same is true for other people, like who they are as people doesn't necessarily have to be tied to their beliefs. So um, I think it's, it's definitely made me more um, open to understanding that people have different experiences, people live different lives, they walk different paths. And, you know, you don't owe it to anybody to be this certain person or have this certain belief or even be the same person that you were yesterday. Um, You can change, you can adapt. And I think that's what I took from that experience was like, I left that experience a completely different person and that's okay. I didn't owe it to anybody to be the same person that I was before. So yeah, that's growth. That's amazing. I love that statement. I don't owe it to anybody else. That's yeah, huge to say. That's a revelation, isn't it, Krista? <laughs> yeah. Personally for yourself, you're like, damn it, that's right. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> we'll get a little bit more into that well, uh, in some future episodes, but <laughs> yes. Um, um, but. I mean, I was just thinking about what we were talking about earlier, Veronica, about just like, you know, you and I were chatting about LaCara being a single mom. Um, I just feel like some, I'm sure what you learned, LaCara, informs your, your, the way you raise Layla now. Yeah, because I, you know, I was raised in a household that was very much like, this is what I believe. And if you challenge that belief, you are now challenging me as a person. And... (laughs) that was a struggle growing up because I've always been kind of like bullheaded and, you know, independent and opinionated and uh, curious. So I've always questioned kind of everything. Um, And it was very important to me as a mother to like allow my child to develop her own beliefs and her own worldview without trying to like, impose too much on that with my own beliefs my own experience and my own trauma and my own you know what I mean like yeah that was extremely important to me especially after that experience absolutely I think when um when you become a mother something changes on the inside of you right you're like so much more conscious of what's happening and Mm -hmm. I don't know about you LaCara but when I became a mother and I'm a woman of color strong Mm -hmm. proud black woman um, but also being a mother is one of my most salient identities and so I want to be able to leave um, some words of wisdom that you have for some of our mom listeners because I think the what we may be hearing around us is that when you have a child, all things stop. And I don't believe that. I think that we can still explore with our children. I think that we can still live life and show them life in a different way. Mm -hmm. So when traveling as a single mother, balancing work and life, 
What is your advice for others who are attempting to do the same as you? So I guess my first piece of advice would be like, don't feel guilty about utilizing your support system. Um, I have two wonderful parents who live seven minutes from me. Um, They are both retired. So they have, you know, I'm a single mother in terms of her father has not been uh, the most active component of her life, but my parents have been there from day one. Um, so when I go to, when I'm able to go to Japan for two and a half weeks, or if I want to go to Mexico for a week, or if I want to go to London for a weekend, my parents step in and, you know, kind of pick up where I leave off in terms of like raising her. Um, and Yeah. Making sure that she's safe. And, you know, I'm able to do that because I know that my kid is good here. (laughs) So, um, I think as single mothers, a lot of times people place like this extra weight on us like oh you're gonna drop your kid off with your mom again or you're gonna drop her off with her grandparents again yeah I am you know why because my parents are amazing they raised an amazing kid and I know that she's safe there and Mm -hmm. I know that she'll look at me and say you know my mom was a mom but she was also her own person um and she also maintained her own identity while being a mother and that's important Mm -hmm. to me absolutely and she sees that and that is a wonderful wonderful example to share um, or to show her I am like fangirling over you (laughs) (laughs) as a mom you are dope Um, so thank thank you. you so much for being on the show and sharing your perspective on how travel has expanded your worldview and Krista anything else you want to add no I just you know, I'm proud to call you my sister. Thank you so much, Kara, for joining us today and sharing more about your experiences. I mean, for all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll post more details about Kara's favorite places to visit in Tokyo when we all get out of these quarantines and lockdowns and, you know, no-fly zones. Um, we'll hope that you'll get the chance to have an experience like Kara that could change your worldview and change your perspectives. So we'll have that on the blog. So you can check that on the website, nourishyourdrive.com for more details. Um, but, you know, Veronica, Thank as always. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you back for another session where we explore experiences beyond the destination. Take care.